Jesus Christ. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who himself shed his blood for me. For me, for me, for me, for me, for my sins. Paid the price for my punishment. For the punishment of my brothers and sisters. Father, we give you honor. We give you glory. We thank you, Lord. Let your name be glorified today. Let the words of my mouth, let the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight today, O Lord, our strength. Speak to us this morning. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Let all God's people say, Amen and Amen. just like to just give a hand give a hand to our musicians this morning <laughs> sister wanda sister lerma my brother Boston, and my friend the drummer and brother thank you man Sister Terry, thank you. And for all you worshipers this morning, welcome to Imani. And for those of you who are worshiping with us on the internet, we welcome you to the house of the Lord. Please come by and visit us and worship with us. We are not complete until we see you here. Church, this morning, as I mentioned earlier, we are preparing for evangelism, and it's important to prepare the soil before you plant the seed. And this morning, uh, before I start, I'd like to refer you to two important texts, two passages of Scripture. First is Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3, that was read for us earlier. The second one is Hosea, the book of Hosea, chapter 10, verse 12. And I'd like to read from the New King James Version and the New International Version. Jeremiah, chapter 4, verse 3. For thus said the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and do not sow among thorns. And that was the New King James Version's translation of that verse. Now, if you were to read it in the New international version, it reads like this. This is what the Lord says to the men of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. And I'd like to read the second text from both versions and you will understand why. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12, the Bible says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. That was New King James Version. The New International Version of that uh, verse reads like this. It says, Sow for yourselves righteousness reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness upon you 
Let me set this up, the context. God had given instruction to the people of Israel. In Exodus chapter 23, verses 10 and 11, the Bible gives specific instruction. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us exactly what God wanted wanted the people of Israel to do. Exodus chapter 23, verses 10 and 11. It says, For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may go, may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what they leave. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. So, even even in some parts of Africa, this same practice is being done. When you harvest your fields, do not take everything. On the sixth year, leave the the land, the field. On, On the seventh year, leave it unplowed. So, the land will regenerate will replenish, the nutrients will kind of replenish, and also the wild animals will go in there to find something to eat. Now, the, the, the poor can also go inside the field at that time to pick up something to eat for themselves. This was the instruction that God gave. That was some, some sort of social welfare or social security for the people. Now, this is the background. Somehow, because of some reasons, the people of God had practiced the instructions of God, but forgot or neglected the principle behind it. That leads us to the time of Jeremiah. You will have followed round but they were left in such an awkward situations that neither the poor could go in there. It was not plowed. It was left as a place where dungs and all forms of rubbishes could be thrown into. Because of laziness or poor management, the, the land was not used. So I pick up the story, or we pick up the story from Jeremiah chapter 3. Let's begin with verse 22. This this, this story refers, uh, God uses this story through Jeremiah to refer to the spiritual conditions of his people. So God says to Jeremiah, now, Through Jeremiah, return in verse 22. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 22. We're picking up the context before we get into chapter 4. God says through Jeremiah to his people, Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backsliding. Return, and I will heal you. And notice something else. His people respond, Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Truly in vain is salvation hoped. Uh, Jeremiah begins to say, truly in in vain is salvation hoped from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. The people of Israel, the people of Judah now diverted their attention to the gods of the the mountains. Forgetting, neglecting God that had brought them thus far. 
So God is speaking to his people. Return, shove, turn around. In the New Testament, it is called repentance. Repent, turn around, and I will accept you and heal you from your backslidings. And he goes on to read, for the shame has devoured the labor of our fathers from our youth. Their flocks and their herds, their sons and their daughters, we lie down in our shame and our reproach covers us for we have sinned against the Lord. We and our fathers from our youth even to this day and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. So in this passage we see a recognition of their condition. Jeremiah says, return, then God will accept you. Now verse 4, if you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, Return to me, not to other persons. Return to me. If you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be what? Moved. You shall not be moved. Then you shall not be moved. If you return to me and turn your abominations away from me. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 1. And you shall swear. And you shall swear. And you shall swear the Lord lives. In truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. The nations shall bless themselves in him. And in him they shall glory. For thus said the Lord to the men of Judah. Verse 3. Break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your hearts. You men of Judah, inhabitants of, of, of Jerusalem, let my lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. So God says, return to me, repent, come back. And he goes, you know, the gracious Father, gracious God, tells his people how to return. And he says, how do you return? Break the fallow ground. And do not sow among thorns. Circumcise your heart, not your flesh, not your foreskin. And then I will bless you. God is good. God is good. In showing us how to repent, in showing us how to come back to him, God uses imageries, examples, illustrations that we identify with. He uses the imagery of farming. He talks about farming and plowing. He, he talks about the rain. He talks about the grain. He talks about the seed. This morning, I want to quickly share with you five, five, five things that we can do to prepare as we return to the Lord. As we prepare the ground to seed, to seed the ground so we can get a fruitful result. One, it has to start with me. It has to start with me. And what do I mean by that? Me, my name is not me. Everyone is me, right? It starts with me. The finger does not need to point that way. It needs to point this way. You see? So, number one is examine myself. Search my heart by meditating. Plow, plow deep. Dig deep. Plow deep in my mind, in my heart, to know if there is following in my heart. In my relationship with God, have things 
clustered and cluttered my mind? Would it be work? Would it be issues? Would it be things, things that cause stress? Would it, would, would it be sickness? What would it be? Responsibilities. Plow by searching and taking stock of your life in your mind and plow Dig and dig deep and look deep. Allow the word of God to divide between the joints and the marrow. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. There we read that for the word of God is living and and active. It's sharper than two-edged sword. It 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 penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Someone else cannot tell us how and where we are. We have to determine that based on the revelation that we receive from God examine ourselves. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 40 calls for examine. It says, let us examine ourselves and test them and let us return to the Lord. When we have found ourselves one thing, we need to, we must return to the Lord. I want to say this, that a lot of um, religions, uh, especially the New Age, turns inside, turns to the self. There's a, there's so many philosophies out there that look inside, look inside, and find that God in you, and li- the, that you are the center, and that you are the, the God. You know, all kinds of theologies, all kinds of philosophies there. But there is one thing that they all lack. You can empty yourself. Meditation can empty all your thoughts and empty all your stress and all your anxieties. But one thing that differentiates those kinds of meditations and inward examinations is the fact that we as Christians replace those things that we throw out, we replace them with the word of God with the assurances of God, with the blessings of God. We meditate not just to empty our thoughts. Yeah, it's okay to talk to the winds and talk to the oceans and talk to the wall and talk to the mirror. But as you have emptied them, what goes in to replace them? That makes the difference. So examine yourselves. Let us examine ourselves. And when we have examined ourselves, something else needs to happen inside. And when it happens, it causes us to return to God. And the Hebrews call it shoe. Uh, to return, to, to turn around. The, the, the American traffic system will call it making a U-turn. Not a 360 degrees. 360 degrees brings you back to where you were. Paul talks about this in Corinthians uh, chapter 13 verse verse, um, 5. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Don't you realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test, he said. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse, verses 28 through 30 says, A man or a woman ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. 2nd thing we ought to do. After we've examined ourselves, second thing we ought to do is to break it up. But before we can break it up, we will have to recognize that it needs to be broken up. Let me say it again some in a different way. There are people who will blame everybody else for their problems except themselves. 
You can examine all you want. If it's somebody else's fault, you can't break it up. You can't get past number one. There are some churches like that. It's always the fault of someone else. It's not our fault. You know, we are all good. We are all happy. Uh-uh. Don't ever, don't ever be satisfied with your spiritual state. God forbid that I should come to a point in my spiritual life that I will say I am comfortable here. Oh, I can be the first to tell you that I used to boast about one particular sin. Yes? I used to boast. I say, you know what? As for this one, I'm past it. Let me tell you what happened when I committed that particular sin. The devil reminded me that first time. Didn't you say you have passed this? He made sure he reminded it to me. He who thinks he has stood should be careful lest he falls. Those are the words of God. Examine ourselves and don't. Please. Let us examine ourselves. Let us break up our fallowed ground and prepare ourselves to receive the blessings of God. Let us, in breaking up, let's steal it. Let's dig deep. You know, there are some who, who, who may have, now you camera people, I'm, I'm, I want to move now. I want to move now. Go with me. Come with me. Come with me. So, so people break their legs, right? When they break their legs, they come to the uh, orthopedic surgeon and they broke the right leg. They don't want to take the pain, right? So in order to avoid the pain, what do they do? They bring the left leg, the, r- the wrong leg, right? Uh, so because they don't want to feel the pain of that broken leg. They bring the ra- wrong kind of bra- leg and the wrong leg and and begins to uh, expect that the uh, the doctor will deal with their pain when they're not telling the truth about where it hurts. They broke the right leg, but they get the leg, left leg out so that they don't want to be um, uh, they don't want their doctor to, to um, 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 apply what it takes to heal their broken bones. Some of us are like that. Did you do it when you were a kid? It hurts here. You give over the other hand because you don't want mommy to treat or put some iodine on this one. You know, you give the wrong one. You can play the game that way until it gets infected, right? We find out shortly, soon, not too long. Moms and dads, you know what I'm talking about. So it is with sin. It's even worse with sin. If we do not dig deep and identify what it is that we need to clean out, the sin will infect us and destroy us. And it's not just going to destroy us as individuals. It destroys our families and infects the church and everyone else is involved. So, it begins with me. Dig deep. It may hurt. Plow deep. Plow deep. And don't be satisfied until you are healed and blessed. I have here that an unrepentant, stubborn heart that would not humble himself or herself and return to the Lord is like a fallowed ground, untilled, unoccupied, unfenced, valueless to the owner. It's a dumping ground for waste. It's full of Fishers, you know, fishers, when there's no rain, the, 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 the ground breaks up and it, is, it, it breaks and you could pick up the, the hard earth. And perhaps even that unfollowed ground is full of weeds and thorns and all kinds of 
evil snakes, rattlesnakes, uh, and, and, and jackals, and, and, and all kinds of uh, animals will go there. And sometimes if there are so many thorns, you can't, no animals would approach there because they could be so dangerous for animals too. So let us do to our hearts what, what, what um, we do to the ground before planting. Unless, unless, unless church, a ground is tilled and renewed, unless the rains come, unless this land is prepared, anything that we plant there is going to be a waste of resources, a waste of time, a waste of our energies. So I, I like to refer to you uh, this text here, Hebrews chapter chapter six, verses seven and eight. Hebrews six, seven and eight. The Bible reads that that for 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 ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation, uses use uh, vegetation useful to those. For, for, for whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed. And it ends up being burned. That leads me to the third point. That leads me to the third, third point. We need to prepare the ground by first Examining it, examining ourselves, we need to uh, break it up. When we have found those things that need to be, that has caused the heart to harden, we need to break it up. And the third is then, we need to sow the seed. I'm leaving some other aspects because sometimes you also need, not sometimes, you need to prepare the seed. But we're going to talk about preparing the seed. We, right now we are assuming that the seed is good enough. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good enough by itself. But we need to plant it inside our hearts. So the third is sow, sowing in our hearts seeds of righteousness. The Bible says, do not sow among thorns. Don't, don't sow the things. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the consequence. That's the effect of an unregenerated heart. You cannot, we cannot put the gospel in a heart that is filled with unrepentance. It is like putting the seed of the gospel amidst thorns. Amidst fissures, amidst uh, ground that you can't even penetrate, that is full of waste. Uh, you can't even go there to, to, to weed or to harvest. It's so dangerous to get into that field. It's a waste. Besides, the, the seed will not survive. So... For yourselves, righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till it comes, till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Like we read in Hosea. This is both a counsel, it's a counsel, it's an advice. It's also a command. It is for our benefits that we do not sow among thorns. One, we need to be <laughs> to avoid being pricked. Secondly, so we can get rich harvest. So, for yourselves, seeds of righteousness, and you will reap. Blessings, blessings from the Lord. I would suggest that Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Apostle Paul says, 
Whatever a man soweth, that he shall also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit of the spirit reap life. And that life is life everlasting. And in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. And in America we say it like this. What comes around goes around. What we sow, that we will reap. In the computer language it says, garbage in, garbage out. The African proverb says, that the goat or the sheep thinks that is trying to punish his or her owner. Then it continues to just pass out urine and excrement and everywhere in the stable, in the, uh, the stable, right? Continues nonstop without recognizing that he's messing up his intestines and his tail. Putting in, put in dirt, allow the dirt to exist. Guess who it kills first? Me. It will kill me first before it kills you. But the danger is that oftentimes unrepentant hearts are not aware that they are lost. That is one danger that Christians ought to be aware of and to guard against. It's no wonder why Apostle Paul talks about that they have a form of godliness but denying the power of it. So I'm trying to appeal to us this morning and all those who will hear that it is important in order to reap a good harvest of individual character or harvest of souls that we need to examine ourselves. So seeds of righteousness and actually um, in preparing, what was the second one? You, you examine and then you do what? You dig deep. Break it up and then you sow the seed. Those are our parts that we must do. Then God will do the third part, the fourth. Uh, before the fourth, uh, there is a fourth one. But God will send the rain to bless the soil, the seed, and allow it to rain. But before that, God used another example. And that was the example of circumcision. In case you're not a farmer, but now that you are a child of God, now that you have signed up that covenant as a daughter, as a son of Abraham, there is something that is unique. You are circumcised. So don't just practice circumcision. God tells the, the, the people, the men of Judah and Jerusalem, don't just practice circumcision and think it is just that. And that is enough. Don't just cut off the foreskin of your body, but do it in your, from your heart rather than just a mere ascent. It is like baptism. Don't just get baptized. Don't just put your names on the books. But let the conversion, let the circumcision be from the heart. And the word that is used is the same word that was used for Jesus. He says the word is karat. Cut off. Kill. Kill. So God says to the people, cut off, kill that superficial nothingness, that addiction, that human nature, that crutch we have, that 
whatever it is that pulls us away from the covenant relationship of God, that we have with God. Let me move back a little bit and, 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 and give us a little background here. You remember when God told Abraham that circumcision, all your male children will need to be circumcised as a sign of that covenant relationship between me and you. God is a senior partner in that relationship. I have, God says, I have my own part. You, my children, you have your own part. If you're faithful in your part, I will be faithful in my part. But the problem has always been that God has been faithful on his part and his people have not been faithful. But God continues to be faithful. In this particular case, God says, listen, Jeremiah, tell your people, I am tired of being so faithful to them and they are not faithful to me. If they will be faithful, if they will return to me, I will continue to bless them. In fact, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through them. So they were responsible for their pains, for their lack of fulfillment of God's blessings. So in, in some way, in the same sense, we might be withholding, us, withholding ourselves from receiving the blessings of God. Lack of repentance. The call of Jeremiah was a call of repentance. The call of John the Baptist was a call of repentance. The call of the last day church is the call of repentance. The call of Imani to Moreno Valley is the call of repentance. But how can we take the message of repentance to Moreno Valley if we ourselves are not repented ourselves? So let us examine ourselves individually and collectively let us identify what it is that is withholding us from growing spiritually as individuals and as a church and then break it up. Let us dig deep and scoop them up and break them up because he has promised that I, Jesus says, I will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Though your sins be dark and red as, as, as crimson as, and they will be as white, as clear, as, 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 as crystal, as, as, as pure as Jesus himself. So, then, the seed of righteousness. And then it says, Karat. Cut off. Cut off. Cut off. Your heart. Not just. Not just your foreskin. As the Apostle James has called upon us, he says, let us therefore get rid of all moral filth. I'm reading from James chapter 1 verse 21. He says, get, 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 get rid of, let us get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and, and humbly accept the word planted in you uh, which can save you. Joel says, rent your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. Joel chapter 2 verse 13. Uh, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Church, I just want to pray and ask, let us break our followed ground. When we do so, we stir up anew our decaying piety, our relationship with our Savior. When we renew our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, 
our lives will be more joyful. We will receive blessings of the Lord. I'm struggling myself and I need your support. She needs your support. He needs your support. You need my support. We need one another's support. Nobody can do it alone. And that's why you left all you could do today and to assemble here and pray and worship and because singing together is better than just hearing yourself in the bathroom. Praying together. Oh, I long for that day when we will kneel down here and cry unto the Lord together and cry and call upon the name of the Lord and hug one another in tears and in joy as well. I long for that day when we will say, you know what? Throw that clock away and let's just tarry here and pray and sing and worship. Who cares about food? I long for that day when we will thirst for the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, cry, fall upon us. The Bible says that God is willing to allow his spirit to fall upon us if you who are evil. If I, I love my kids. But if I'm if me, if I'm so evil, if I as evil as I am, that I can't, there are some things I don't know what I'll say no to my kids that is good for them. Jesus says. If we who are evil are willing to do anything for our children, how much more God who is righteous and loving and compassionate, who has done everything for us, how much is he willing to give us his Holy Spirit? Guess what? We're not growing because we have not asked. He will ask. And because it is his will to lavish upon us his spirit, then if we don't have his spirit in full measure, it is our fault. So let us ask. Some of us are afraid of the Holy Spirit. Because when he comes, we lose control. When he comes, we lose power. So who cares about power? Who cares about control? Let him reign upon us. Reign on us. Holy Spirit. Do we know that song? Who knows that song this morning? Reign on us. In our soul. This is one of those days when I want to sing. Brothers and sisters, God is so faithful. If you ask him, he will give you. He will, that's, that's the one thing that he will not deny his children. My last example is this. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2. Remember, you remember the disciples, they had fun with Jesus. Now Jesus died. They were all discouraged. Come on. They were all discouraged. In fact, they had scattered. They were now hiding. You're talking about those who were riding and uh, talking about going in high places in the temples. But when Jesus died, guess what? They now were hiding behind. They shut the door. I would guess there was no light in the door. I mean in the room where they were all hiding. Then Jesus came, rose from the dead, and of course, and he was now ready to go. Things were getting better. Go, preach gospel. But before you go, stay in Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. 
and you shall receive power. When you receive power, the Holy Ghost power, then you can go to Judea, to Samaria, and to the outermost part of the world. They were there in Jerusalem. I'm not sure how big the room was, but it was probably <laughs> Imani was bigger than where they stayed. I'm sure our church was probably bigger than the room in which they stayed. Body others. I'm not sure how many pots and pans they had. Personalities. People from different places and cultures and languages. All in one building. Different groups. Different heights. Maybe the filthy rich and the less filthy poor. The dark skinned, the light skinned, they were all there. They were thinking that Jesus will come back maybe one or two days. I don't know what, maybe the promise, the promise of the Spirit will come back just within one or two days. First day went 24 hours. Second day went and passed. Nothing happened from outer space. Third and fourth and fifth, and they had worship. They had worship, and I believe that was a good worship they had. Man, they believed it must. It will be coming on Sabbath. They sang and sang and prayed and played. Beautiful music. Yet the, the, the Holy Spirit did not show up. Somehow some people began to leave. Somehow some people began to find reasons and why they needed to get back to their beds. Warm beds. Meanwhile, there were other things happening. People were complaining. Some are eating better food than we are. The quantity of some of our food, uh, you know, some are eating more than we are getting. And it's because of my language, it's because of our culture, it's because of our color. Uh -huh. Leaders were being criticized. They were somewhere at each other's throat. I hope you're leading. I, I hope I'm uh, somebody following me, right? Are, are we going? Are we go, Are we together? I'm saying while they were waiting for the promise, things were going on in and among them. While they were waiting, while they were worshiping, while they were praying, the Bible says it was not until the tenth day. At least I think you need to read it with me, please. Acts chapter 2. So... Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. They were all with one accord. But all along, things had happened. Things that caused them grief. And if you back up and just see 
um, in, uh, in verses, in several of those verses before, um, you find out that there were some issues that had happened. But, but, but in verse 1, let me just focus on that. With one accord, they were all together. It did not mean that they were all wearing white shirts or white gowns, but their mission, their goal, their se- they were all centered in what God, what their master, what their friend had called them to do. They were all in one accord. The Bible says they were in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven and as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then were appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon each and every one of them. This happened. Why? Because they were praying. It happened because they were all together. It happened because they saw something more important than themselves. And if you read from verse 41 toward the end of that chapter to 48, you find out that they submitted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. They, they, they were involved in fellowships. They were involved in prayer. They were involved in breaking and bread with one another. And as a result of how they lived, as a result of what they did together, God blessed them. With miraculous signs, God blessed them. With members, God blessed them. With numbers, God blessed them. With material things and none lacked anything. But when they were as individuals, they were lacked. There were things that members of the church needed. But when we come together, when God's people come together, none lacks anything. 